Fantastic. So it's about creating a legacy, creating memories and experiences together. You, you don't just have a legacy happen. You can leave it by, it can be intentional or it can be just by chance. And so what we've done is we've valued as a family, building family experiences. And so this is an experience we've just had a week together, mother and sisters, and it's a bonding experience, an experience we may never repeat, but it'll last a lifetime. Amen? And it's a part of values. And, and the Bible tells us that good people plan inheritance or legacy to leave on to their children. So it can be intentional or unintentional. So what I want to do is to talk about, first of all, just, some, just explain legacy again. Then I want to talk about how you receive something to pass on, the ways that we can go about doing that. And they're quite, uh, quite uh, uh, easily defined, and I want to share them out of my own experience. So first, first of all, every person will leave a legacy of some kind. Every person is going to leave a legacy. The only thing you can make a decision on is what it will be, whether it will be stumbling stones for the next generation or whether it will be blessings and a way that they can go ahead. Whether you give them a stepping stone, whether you help the next generation forward, or whether your life is a reproach and an offense, and when your name is mentioned, people are embarrassed. So we always make decisions about this. And uh, the Bible tells us that a good person or a righteous man will plan and consider how he will leave a legacy, not just to his children, but beyond them to the next generation. So I want to encourage you as we're looking through the series to think about your life and what you will pass on or what you will leave to the next generation. Every one of us will leave something. So a legacy uh, is what you stood for. It's how you lived your life, what you accomplished or did with your life. That's your legacy. Every person who comes into this world is born with a plan and a purpose designed by God that you would leave something in this world as a result of being here. Not just the bones in a box buried somewhere, but that your life would count for something, that your life would accomplish something. And the challenge is to discover, why did God place me on this earth, bring me into relationship with him? What am I called to accomplish with my life? What legacy will I leave behind me? And every one of us has to answer that decision. No one can decide this for you. You decide what you will leave for the next generation. And so our legacy that we leave, uh, what we leave behind for the next generation can be uh, tangible, it can be property, or if it's not property, it could be some money, it could be some shares, it could be some personal items that were a treasure to you, uh, it can be a whole range of things which are tangible. So uh, you can leave some things which are tangible, you could, maybe you've accomplished some great things. Those are tangible uh, accomplishments. You know, when, when, uh, when I depart this world, one accomplishment we have is a building and a church that we, w- was not here but has been built and established. But that's a tangible thing. The, mo- the more intangible ones are what's been built into lives that go on and change them and affect them forever. I was just received an email from someone uh, that I ministered to and trained and equipped in Singapore, and that, that girl is now over in Africa and, and she is having miracles of deliverance, miracles of healing. She's seeing all kinds of manners of things happening. And it came because she received something from me that she's got a hold of in her life. And now she is leaving a legacy which came by impartation from me in the first place and which she's built upon and, you, and now built something that's having huge effect. It's quite extraordinary what she's doing. So uh, legacy can be tangible, in- legacy can be intangible. You can't see it, but it's there and it's real nevertheless. It can be values, the values of your life. 
certain kind of values you stood for, integrity, honesty, hard work. Those are intangible, but they're very real. They're, you can't see them, but that you can see the impact that they leave. Your reputation or your character is an intangible but very real legacy that you leave. Your, your name, the name that you have. The Bible says a good name is more to be desired than silver and gold. The reputation. So when people hear your name, what do they think? What words come to mind when they hear your name? So think about this. I'll throw this one out for you. When you gossip about someone, you are stealing from them. You are stealing their reputation and their name. You are a slanderer, and God requires an accounting for those kinds of things. So uh, we're, it's important that we consider the things that we're going to leave and what we're going to establish in the lives of others. So uh, the intangible things are how you lived your life, the values, the experiences. So for us, uh, it has been important in our family that we establish experiences together that create memories that go on through into life. They're very, very important. You can... Things that you buy come and go, but the experiences you have together become lasting memories of of shared life. They become a legacy to leave. So God's desire is that every one of us coming into this world leave a legacy. And so he has gifted you to do that. And the great movement of God in this coming decade will be God's people arising and beginning to make a mark with their lives and leave an imprint in society, leave an imprint on the lives of others by bringing the life God gave them into, creatively into wherever they live. So think about that. So one of the things, before we consider about leaving a legacy, what I want to do is I want to look at how you receive one. And I want to look at it from two points of view. I want to look at it firstly today from the people God brings into your life who are, who are, who are given to you as a gift to help you get ahead. Remember, if someone has, uh, has, uh, has built up a, a, an estate of a million dollars and they leave it to you, you've got a head start in life. So God knits us to people and connects us to people who have already obtained something from him and we can draw on the legacy that it cost them something to get. You understand that? You don't have to pay the same price to be able to operate in the things that I can move in as I had to pay. What took me 30 years, 40 years to build, develop in my life, the next generation can get within, uh, within a year or two. It doesn't take long to pick it up. But it's the life that I live underneath is what carries and contains it, enables it to grow. That's what you've got to get a hold of. So today we want to focus not just on, uh, uh, on the legacy we leave. I want to look just at how you draw from people to actually uh, receive something that you can then uh, grow and develop and it becomes a legacy you can leave to others. Very, very important. Most people think that you just get things straight from the Lord. We get an immense legacy from the Lord and I want to spend a special session focusing on the legacy Jesus has left you. Whether you get it is another thing. But he has left you a legacy and a most amazing, rich legacy And every believer must discover and reach into and take hold of the legacy Jesus paid a price for you to have. It will give you everything you need for life. But God not only gives it to us through a a direct relationship with Jesus, he also ministers into our life through other people who have laid hold of God. In other words, we don't have to do the hard work they did. We can get it much easier. 
So there are true groups of people that you can receive from, and I'm going to focus particularly on the second group. And uh, today we're focusing on receiving. So God has put people in your life to impart something into you. So let's have a think about it. The first group, the two groups are this. Number one group, uh, uh, not in order of importance, but the first group are people that you just can learn from, people you learn from. Now, they're not people, and what you get from them, you're taught, it's information you get, or it's an example you see, or something like that, and uh, you can get this, uh, these kind of people, or this group of people, are not people you're in relationship with. These are people that uh, you can listen to their CDs, and you can learn from them. They, they, they share on their CD what they learned, and you can learn what they learned over years, you can learn it in one hour, uh, or you can listen to it in one hour. Uh, learning has to do with putting it into your life. Uh, or it may be you watch a DVD, maybe uh, you get something off the internet. So there's a, there's a wealth of resources and material now on every aspect of life. You can go on the internet, you can start to inquire, and there are people you can receive from. You never have a direct relationship with them, but nevertheless, you can draw on the experience that they have in life. The difficulty is in learning how to apply it. So God wants us and expects us to learn from people that have gone ahead and to make the effort. Think about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, Jesus said, all of the people in the Bible, all of Israel's journeys, they were written as an example for you and me for warning us or instructing us about life. So when you see it, the Bible, everyone's got a Bible there. How many know the Bible's full of people? Full of people who walk with God, and they have, it tells their, their successes, it tells their failures, and God expects you to apply yourself to learn from the people he wrote their story. The Holy Ghost wrote down the story of these people for us to learn from. So very clearly, God expects us, even though we have no relationship with Moses, to learn from Moses. In fact, when Jesus was uh, teaching the uh, uh, one group of people, he said in Luke chapter 16, he said, they won't listen to Moses, they won't listen to me either. What he was saying is, he expected people to apply themselves to learn what men of God and other generations had discovered. So when you go through the Bible, it's not just lots of boring stories, it's actually God's story in the lives of many, many different people and the lessons are there of success and failure that you can learn from and draw from. In other words, all of them have left a legacy. This legacy here is one that's written down. You want to find out about King David, what made him great? It's written in the book. You want to find about how he fell and failed? It's written in the book. You want to find about God's grace and mercy to him? It's written in the book. In other words, without direct connection with anyone, God provides for us the Bible, a huge resource of people you can learn from and grow in your life and leave something from your life to come into the lives of others. So we can also learn from other men of God by listening to the CDs, listening to the tapes, watching them, or going to their meetings. You never maybe connect with the person in real life, but you can still learn quite a lot from them. Amen? Okay, that's one group of people. Now, the Holy Spirit will help you to apply what you learn from those people into your life. So we have a coach to help us. The second group of people, the one I want to focus on just for the moment now, are people we are in relationship with. Now, these are the ones, when you sit in a meeting, you are taught something. When you share life with someone, you catch something, or something is caught. So we can either be taught, we get information, or we can catch something. It can be caught from people. Now, one of the things we need to understand 
is that God's plan is that you catch things from people. In other words, you need real life living models to, to show you what it looks like when someone is walking with God. Every one of us needs that. We need people in our life, people we connect with, who are walking with God, who can show us how the life of God works out in real life, in marriage, in family, in relationships, in finances, in living life in the workplace. We need examples. The world is crying for examples. I talked to a young man, and he was sharing. He said, well, look, he said, information, we can, I can get it anywhere. I just go on the internet, Google it, and there it is. I can get all the information I want. He said, but however, there's a problem. I said, what's that? He said, well, it, I don't have on the internet, I can't get access to how to apply it to my life. So what I need from people is wisdom, experience, and vision. Help to get direction for my life. Help to apply what I'm learning. I need to see it and have it imparted to me. Otherwise, it's just information. And I can't work out what works in my life and how to make it work. I don't have the wisdom and experience. I need connection with people for this to take place. So this group of people are the ones that you have a direct relationship with. They could be a father, a mother. They could be a grandparent. They could be a a teacher at school. It could be someone who's your leader in some area of life, leader of a small group. It could be a pastor. It could be some person that God has put into your life. Uh, It could be a coach or a mentor. And so God wants you to be connected to people and you are in a place where you are receiving from them for your own life. And the purpose of that is that you ultimately will give out to other people. So usually in those kind of relationships, there's a bonding, there's a connecting of some kind, and there's vulnerability. So the very same father or mother that you are bonded to and vulnerable to can make a huge impact positively or negatively in your life. In some families, the impact is so negative and the legacy so destructive that it can take years for the person to recover unless they encounter the power and presence of God. So families always leave a legacy. You've just got to decide what to do with it. And one of the other sessions will share with you how no matter what has been left to you, God can turn it for your good and use it to get you where he wants you to go anyway. Isn't that something else? God can take the rubbish and bring life and resurrection out of it and use the very failure or the pain or the problem to get you where he wants you to go. So this is the amazing thing God can do. So what I want to do is to look at, let's have a look at uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. And I want to share this with you because my own life has been deeply impacted by men of God, both positively and negatively. (laughs) So I want to share with you a verse and then show you some keys. In Hebrews 13, verse 7, Remember those who rule over you or who lead you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct or their lives. And notice what it tells us there. It said, to hold in mind people God has positioned in your life to bring God's word to you. And it says, follow or imitate. The word follow there means the word literally mimic or imitate. Now, not imitate them. Imitate their faith. Imitate the life they have in God. That's what we're called to imitate. God doesn't want you to be a clone of some other person. He wants you to be absolutely unique, but we are called to imitate or to model uh, 
when we, the, 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 to, to use people that we see walking with God to apply what we see in their life to our own life. So in other words, it says, copy their faith, their trust, the life they have with God. And so you say, well, how can I tell what that is? And so it tells you exactly what to look for. Don't look for the giftings. Don't look for the charisma. Don't look for those things. It said, this is what you look for. It says, considering the outcome of their life. So in other words, if you're weighing up someone whose faith you want to follow, what you should consider is the outcome or the consequence or outworking of their life. That means their marriage, their family, how they do their finances, how they are living out their life in community with people. That is what you model. That's what you look for. That's what you consider. And the word used, the word consider, it says to take a close look at and inspect it. How about that? That's a bit daunting for a leader because, uh, and that's why people say you should not really hurry to be a teacher because more is required of you. This is what it says. It says have a look at their lifestyle. So if I find someone and there's broken marriage and there's broken family and there's broken finances... It doesn't really matter to me what great gifting they have on their life. Something at the core is not right. They know what to look for. And the, te- the thing we tend to look for is we look for charisma and giftings and get a bit overwhelmed by how gifted someone may be without looking, well, what is their marriage and their family and their relationships and their finance? What's their reputation in the community for finance? And you'll find, and some of you have been around a while, would be aware of different ones, and their focus was very strongly on their gift and their ministry, but God says not to look at that. It says look at the outcome of their life. And if you see the outcome of the life is good under close inspection, then follow their faith. Very interesting scripture, isn't it? Very interesting scripture. So uh, the reality is, of course, that the people that we connect with, no one's perfect. How, do you, how about that? And we would love to have someone perfect. We'd love to have, but the only one who's perfect is Jesus. And so we have to find people that we can draw from and learn how to receive. And over the years, I have drawn from some people. I'll just identify them. Uh, one of the first ones I drew from was a man by the name of Neville Johnson, who, uh, when I first met him, it was the first church I ever went into where there was a move of the Spirit, a move of God. And from him, I become first aware of and awakened and experienced the supernatural. I'm indebted to what that man did. Uh, second man who helped me greatly was a man by the name of Duncan Graham, a Methodist minister, and he uh, showed uh, tremendous love. I, I learned about love and family and connection and relationship and small groups, and I learned about the prophetic uh, there and deliverance in that place with the, the relationship with him where I started that journey. Uh, I was under for a couple of, he was under him for two years in relationship with another man, Ross Davies, who had a deep impact on me. And uh, from him, I learned about spiritual fathering. I learned about uh, praise and worship. I learned about the value of the Word of God and love for the Word of God. I learned about the necessity to be non religious and to get rid of all the junk. I learned about strong prayer and I learned about the prophetic gift and how to work and to flow into it. So, I received immensely from his life and ministry, and, some, and, and, and it's still in me and being developed to this day. The next person I connected with and, uh, and, and drew from extensively is a man by the name of Clark Taylor, and from him, I got faith. I learned what faith is. 
I learned how it looks like, how people live and move in the dimension of faith. I learned about moving in the supernatural and the gifts of word and knowledge and developing the whole area of the power ministry. I learned that through him. He made a huge impact in my life. Uh, I got impacted also by an man by the name of Mark Verkler. And Mark Verkler taught me and gave clear understanding about how, how you hear the voice of God and how you work with God and, and listen to his voice. He brought clarity to that for me, and that impacted my life, and I've carried those keys for all of my life. Uh, Another man who impacted me very deeply was John Stanford, John and Paula Stanford. They came to Hastings in 1986, uh, brought in by the Catholic, some Catholic charismatic group, and I went to that ministry, and they deeply impacted me. My life changed being with and under and opening my life to that ministry, and so when I look at uh, the ministry I have, which now touches thousands upon thousands of people every year, I can trace elements of what I do back to each of those different people and what I learned and what I drew from them. I can also tell you that probably of all their followers, I got the most out of every one because I learned what to do to receive from someone and to get a hold of him alive. Now, was it all good? No, it wasn't. Not at all. Uh, the first one that I was under fell in immorality, quite extensive immorality. It was a huge shock to me and a great disappointment to me. Uh, A second one fell in immorality and uh, a total betrayal of the trust. I'd stepped out and taken up a role pastoring, pioneering a a school, and uh, the same year that I did that, he left the church, abandoned the church, abandoned me, abandoned all the ministry, went and planted another church and concealed that the true reason he'd gone was he was involved in adultery. And so I had to face and work through abandonment and betrayal by two ministries. Then a third one did the same thing. And uh, not long after we'd committed to become part of Christian Outreach Centre, I discovered that Clark Taylor had fallen in immorality uh, and uh, his ministry was brought into shame and reproach. And so again, I faced the same experience of having to deal with the humanity of people and the challenge that leaders are not perfect and sometimes fail in little ways, sometimes fail in massive ways. But not one of these people, not one of these people that failed me, did I let it overwhelm me and stop me going forward in God. I still drew from what they had and carry what they have till today. You see, you've got to, but you have to make decisions on that. And uh, so I value and honor each of these men even though some of them failed in different ways, every one of them added something to my life and every one of them paid a price for what they had and I'm grateful to them and honour them and honour what they have done and what they've put into my life. And I maintain a place of honour, not focusing on the failures, but rather focusing on what I see they gave into my life that has been of immense value to me and which they purchased at a price. So I want to give you some of the keys to receive how what it is. Now, they're all, as you see it, hard attitudes. Remember, when Jesus came to his hometown, there was no anointing released to do any miracles. So the most anointed person that ever was on this earth was unable to do miracles, it tells us in Mark 6 verse 4, because of the hard attitude that the people had to him. So no matter what person God brings into your life, how you deal with the relationship with that person is crucial for whether you receive anything or not. Say that again. God is going to bring people into your life to help you accomplish what he called you to do. In order for that to happen, you have to choose how you relate to the people God has brought into your life. 
and the way you relate determines how much you receive. So let me give you some of the keys of things. Now these come not from a book. These come out of what I did. These are the things that I did that helped me receive. And I walked away from every one of these ministry and I received something that affected my life and became legacy to pass on to other people. And so I want to share them with you. So in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 13, it says here in verse 13, I can find it now. It says, verse, uh, we'll read it, verse 12 and 13. Now, I urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord, and admonish you. Here it is, verse 13. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. So notice the first thing is, honor and respect people. Honor and respect. Honor is something you choose to give to someone. Respect is a way of uh, an attitude of approaching someone where you see that person is of value to you, value in your life. Now, the attitude that you have towards people will determine what you receive from them. Here's a law. Whatever you disrespect will move away from you. If you disrespect money, money will move away from you. Poverty will come. You need to respect things. If you disrespect people, then the relationship will deteriorate. They will move away from you. Whether you do it intentionally or unintentionally, disrespect for people shuts down their contribution to your life, stops them giving to you, and therefore there's a de decrease in relationship and you can't receive the benefit of that person God put in your life. So respect or honor is always going to attract people to your life. So each of the men there that I have mentioned to you, I honor them to this day, and I show the honor and respect in different ways. Even though I haven't been under Clark's ministry for many, many years, ever since he fell, I've not been under his ministry. Nevertheless, after he was restored, we were the first church in New Zealand to receive him back in and to receive his ministry, and I had an opportunity for the whole breach to be put right. Last year when I was speaking at a conference, he was there, so I publicly honored him and sowed finance into him because I respect what he put into my life. You understand? This is a principle, a principle of the kingdom. Honor and respect. It's a choice. It begins in the heart. Second, uh, a second one is this, is welcome feedback and correction. Welcome the person to input to your life. In, uh, you notice in verse 12, we urge you to recognize those who labor among you and who admonish you. So in other words, God brings people to your life to help you, but also to warn you or to speak in your life when you're not going right. Now, they can't do that unless they have relationship with you or connection with you. So here's the principle, the very, very clear one. A person, it tells us this in Proverbs 15, it said, the person who refuses correction despises their own soul. So I've noticed when people have very low esteem, it's very difficult to correct them because the moment you try to talk to them about a behavior, they take it as an attack on them personally and react. And people who are like that cannot prosper. They can't prosper because the feedback they need in their life to help them, they've shut down by pride and angry reactions. So you need to ask yourself then, uh, do I welcome any kind of correction into my life? Do I make it easy or do I become defensive? So each of the men of God that I had relationship with or connected with or was under their ministry, I at one point or time opened up my heart to receive their input, correction, adjustment 
because it's much easier for someone outside you to see what's going on in you than it is for you to see it. That's why good to welcome your spouse to put input and correction because they can see stuff, they live with you. And uh, so that's a principle of being open to correction, open to learn about where we are immature and lack and where our behavior affects people negatively. Here's the third thing, guard and protect the relationship. Guard and protect the relationship. You need to guard relationships. Relationships are very fragile. They, they're not static. They, they change, and they can break down. And when they break down, there's a huge grief comes with that. So we need to guard and protect our relationships. Song of Solomon 2, verse 15, catch the little foxes, the little foxes that spoiled the vine. So if you're going to receive from a, a, a person, you have to guard your connection with them, your relationship with them. And uh, here's a thing that little foxes are offenses. You can get offended with someone. They, did, they chose that one. They didn't choose me. Wonder why. And you get offended and then shut your heart down. A brother offended, got walls in the heart. Uh, and so sometimes I found the people over me made decisions I didn't understand. I couldn't work it out. Why would you do such a thing? And uh, I didn't understand it. But I had to learn, even though I didn't understand it was irrelevant, all I had to do was just guard my heart attitude, not be offended or make assumptions or judgments. So guard your heart attitude. Don't make assumptions, don't make judgments. Sometimes people who lead you make decisions you don't have the full information on, and they can't share it either. And so they have to, that's why they're in leadership, they make decisions. So guard your heart from making assumptions or judgments. That keeps your relationship open. That enables you to receive. Uh, a, th- a fourth thing I found that I did and practiced uh, all the time was this, and that is ask questions. Ask questions. Proverbs 20, verse 5, counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, and a man of understanding will draw it out. Now get this, people have more in them than you realize, but you've got to draw it out. And you draw it out by asking questions. The disciples did that. Notice every time Jesus ministered, he would gather with them privately. They would ask him questions. And they drew stuff out of him. Now, I don't know all that I've learned. If I had to sit down and try and explain what I learned about this or that, I'd have to rack my brains to try and think. But what I've observed is this. I found that when someone is in a heart attitude or relationship of respect and value and they start to inquire, there's an anointing flows and I, can't, I don't even, all the things I've learned which are part of my life start to flow out like a river. I have found that as I've been with people that as you uh, respect and honor what God has put in their life, that you find you can draw on them. And as you start to ask questions, suddenly there's this flow of anointing and all manner of things come out exactly what you need for where you are. Why? Because God put them in there for that purpose and you're now connected and you're doing the thing that God wants you to do. Just what the disciples did to Jesus, ask questions. It's crazy in church where people don't ask questions. It's even worse if people react when a question's asked (laughs) or get evasive and angry and defensive and shut you down. Because questions are the way we learn, and the Hebrew way of learning was by asking questions. It's how you learn. So this is what I did. I remember with, uh, with, uh, with Ross, I, was, I could not get over how he could communicate with people in all different age groups, from teenagers right through to adults, every kind of group. He seemed to be able to get right into their heart. And here's the thing I wanted. I'm a teacher at a high school. I want to learn how to do that. I used to stand and watch him while he's interacting with people. Watch him. Watch it going on like this. I was like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? How come you did this? How come you did that? I wanted to learn. So we'd have a, have a meeting. And then afterwards, when I get a chance to have a cup of coffee, I'd say, how come you did it that way, not this way? Why did this? And I just ask questions. 
And that's how I learn. You learn by asking questions. Don't ask questions, then you're missing the opportunity for a unique flow that can come to you out of a person. Remember, it says that wisdom lies in the heart of a man like a well, but a person of understanding will dip in and draw it out. And you draw it out by honor and value and respect and by asking questions. You have to ask questions. Most people don't mind asking questions. They're glad someone inquired. And you learn. Here's a, here's a fifth key. You have to apply the things that you're learning. If you don't apply what you're learning, then you find you don't really learn anything at all. In fact, if you haven't applied what you learned, you haven't really learned it. You're just no different than a person who didn't hear it at all. Think about that. You, you can be in meetings and hear words of God preached and all kinds of revelation preached, but if you don't do anything, it's just the same as if you weren't there at all. Never heard it. So it tells us in, the, in James 1.22, be doers of the word, not just hearers, and deceiving yourselves. So you've got to put it into practice uh, from a Hebrew perspective, you only know what you're doing. So if you learn how to hear the voice of God, you haven't really learned it until you're doing it regularly. If you've learned how to prophesy, then you haven't really learned it until, unless you're doing it and operating and moving in it. If you've stopped moving in it, then you need to go and relearn it and get back into it again. Doing. Doing the Word. Doing the Word. Okay. Okay, here's, a, here's another key, and that is the area of serving. I noticed that in the Bible that the major occasions where the Bible records a massive impartation and legacy left to someone, the, where I've discovered it, it, this is what I found. I found that the person served. You think about Joshua. Joshua received a great legacy from Moses, but it says that Joshua was the servant of Moses. He ministered to him and served. He was in a serving role until his time came to enter into his own ministry. Uh, his, uh, you think about Elisha and Elijah. It says Elisha poured water over the hands of, uh, of, of Elijah, meaning he served and he ministered. So serving is the way that you grow into ministry. Serving, if you can't be faithful, it says in Luke 16, unless we're faithful in someone else's, we can't have our own. Luke 16, 12, if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you your own? So you think about Timothy. Timothy served uh, Paul, and Paul was able to write it to say about Timothy, he said, I don't know anyone who would care for you like I'd care for you. He does. He said, because everyone else or most of the other people, he said, they want to use you for some purpose. But he said, I know this boy, he's got my heart, and he'll love you like I've loved you. Now, you don't get that out of a book. You get that out of relationship and connecting and catching the heart of a person. See, you can't catch the heart of a person fully in a meeting where you hear them preaching or ministering or you're listening to something. You've actually got to connect and watch and interact. It's caught, not taught. And you find that the whole way that we leave legacy to others is what we share of our life with them and impart to them. We'll share some practical things on that. And uh, serving and helping them succeed without an agenda. I found that some people, the ones who have learned the most from me, served with no agenda. The ones who had agendas seldom learned anything. It's because their motive was just to get ahead rather than their motive being to learn and honor. You can't, you can't, get, you can't violate the principles of God. And here's the last one, and this is, this is quite an important one. Uh, you have to deal with the humanity of leaders or people who you're drawing from. You have to be able to deal in love and truth. Now, this is the challenge. 
because God uses imperfect people. Think of uh, Moses, with a oh, great man of God. Actually, he blew it so badly with his anger, which he never resolved, that he didn't even give him the promised land. Moses. But God has made him a hero of faith. So God, God can still manage people who are imperfect and use them. That was a hard thing for me to understand because I thought when I met someone who's a great man of God and I saw God working through them and they were almost like they were Jesus himself until I got close and see relationship and as you get close, you suddenly go, whoa, wow, I don't like that. <laughs> whoa, you know, and suddenly you start to see the imperfections or the humanity of people and it can create a problem. You think of David, David, the great man of faith, Jesus, the son of David, yet David committed adultery, had a problem with lust, he didn't manage his household well, all kinds of issues. But God calls him a hero of faith. You think of, um, of Paul, Paul, a very hard man. He's so hard on young Timothy that Timothy fled, said, I can't handle it. It's too hard working in your team. And, and Paul, said to, Paul said, we're getting rid of that boy because he's a wimp and he doesn't handle the tough times. I wouldn't have liked being in Paul's tough times either. He got beaten and whipped and all kinds of things would happen to him. And, and, and in the end, Mark left. And, and, Tim, and Paul said to him, he said, well, that, that young Mark, is, I'm not having him on my team. He's a quitter. But, but, but Barnabas said, let me work with him. He's a good boy. And he was able to raise him up, strengthen him, and he was productive later on. So all of these leaders have got holes in them. Every one of us has holes in us. So what are the things you have to guard and what do you got to handle? Here's what you have to guard against. Probably the most important is this. Guard against idolatry. There's no one can take the place of Jesus in your life. It doesn't matter how anointed a person is. It doesn't matter how gifted they are, how charismatic they are. They can never become an idol in your life. You have to deal with idolatry. Jesus must be first. Second thing is we must deal with offense. We need to deal with offense. Sometimes people fail us. We need to be able to handle offenses and not hold them in our heart. Absalom, David's son, held offense in his heart, and in the end he betrayed him in a very, very deep and personal and hurtful way. We need to guard that we don't get a rebellious attitude in our heart, a reaction. It tells us in Genesis 9 that Ham uncovered his father and... As a result of that, his life became cursed. There was a un, un, there's demonic powers unleashed because he became dishonoring of his father. So here's the simple keys of what you do. First, keep focus on Jesus Christ. Anyone else pales in comparison. Anyone else that God sends into our life, whether it be a father, mother, teacher, leader, Sunday school teacher, pastor, some kind of person, they're all secondary to Jesus Christ. He is number one. Jesus is the measuring post. But however, we can learn and draw from godly men and godly women. Secondly, when they do fail and you see things that are wrong or lacking in their life, make a decision to forgive and extend grace, just like Jesus extended grace to you, and that will keep you in a place of relationship. Third, look for an opportunity to be able to speak in love the truth to talk into the person and appeal to them. I can remember uh, a very, very difficult situation I faced with a leader, and, but I went to him and appealed to him that his reputation was struggling and suffering because of a certain thing he was doing and just begged him to consider uh, the effect on his ministry. So my heart was for him and his welfare not to point out a fault. There's a big difference. And finally, sometimes we need to establish personal boundaries to affect that, that protect our heart. So with one leader, I could see there was a, a major 
difficulty and a disagreement I had over the, the pathway he was taking, and I took a stand and said, I'm sorry, I love you, respect you, but I can't walk down this path with you. This is the path God wants me to take. I didn't go saying all the things I could see that were wrong and why it was so. I just said, I can't agree to go down that route with you. This is the path God's called me, and I need to follow God's path for my life. And so I put a boundary. It was very, very painful because instead of allowing me to do it, there was a huge reaction and, and a shock of grief and breach relationship, which I suffered from for quite some time until I got ministered and free and got out of it. So God brings people to our lives to help us. And without those people, we're going to have to learn everything from start. With those people, we can get a head start. So welcome people God puts in your life that can impart to you and help you go to another level in fulfilling your destiny. I've given you the six or seven keys on how you connect, relate, and what you do to draw from that person's life. And also, the boundary you need to guard, the things to watch against. Idolatry. Idolatry is probably the worst. It tells us in the book of Acts, it says that when, Paul, when the people saw the miracles that Paul and Barnabas did, they called them gods and wanted to sacrifice to them. Now, we don't do that. We just think that this person is uh, just almost like Jesus himself. And when something happens that disappoints us, we get very angry and our whole faith stumbles. So I can tell you this, Jesus will never tolerate idolatry. So whatever is an idol in our life, whether it's a person whether it's a child, whether it's a ministry, whether it's a business, whatever it is, God will always confront it because he loves us and wants us centered back on Jesus Christ. So every one of us can receive. The question is whether you intentionally are making it your purpose to receive what you need for your life and your call in your ministry and to outwork it in your life so you have something to give. I am where I am today because of these great men of God who love me, imparted to my life, who I connected with, some of them I connected with, some I didn't connect with, but where there was a personal relationship, they imparted something to me that changed my life. I encourage you to consider around you who God has put in your life that you could draw from. In this congregation here, we have many gifted people who can add something to your life. They won't add everything you need. They will add something you need. But your responsibility is to look for them, connect with them, build the relationship and honor them, and by questioning, draw out what God has put in them that can help you move forward. Say amen to that? How many found that helpful today? It's very helpful, isn't it, eh? Very, very helpful. Father, we just thank you of the great price you paid that each of us would come into an inheritance. Help us, Lord, to value the people that you've placed in our lives. Just I'd like you to close your eyes and bow your heads right now. I want to ask you a question. As I've preached and spoken, is there someone that imparted to your life that God's speaking to you to appreciate them, to thank them for what they did, to express the appreciation for what they put in your life? Those holding gratitude in your heart needs to be expressed. And when you express it, you, you, you actually show value that you place on what that person go. Is there someone in your life that you've become offended with and drawn back from, that you need to deal with that quickly. It doesn't matter who's right or wrong. What matters is the relationship is kept open so you can receive. Is there someone in your life 
that has or is or has been in leadership around you and you need to place a boundary because what you see is flowing from that person's life would hurt you and hurt your life and hurt your call in God, then politely and respectfully you need to set the boundary so you protect what God has put in your life. That can happen in a family, can happen in a marriage, can happen in a ministry, can happen in the workplace. We need to be responsible to protect our heart and our future. So, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Are there people that you need to draw to that would help you go forward in your life? Make the, take the initiative. Who are those people and what initiative will you take? And sometimes people just can't invest the time you'd like. And sometimes just over a cup of coffee. When I came to Clark, the first thing I ever had was a cup of coffee with him. I took him out for a meal when no one else was available. It was an answer to a prayer and I sat down and I just said, God, I want to draw from this man and the faith he has and the anointing he has. Let me use this time well. I've done that with a number of people. Sat down and had a meal or a coffee with them and asked them questions that helped me. Went away, wrote it down, kept notes, tried to put it into practice in my life. Some, I got it from a CD. I just listened to the CD until I caught the spirit in the heart of this man and then my life changed. So every one of you is leaving a legacy. You just decide what it is you'll leave. A legacy of offenses, broken promises, a legacy of uh, things that you quit on and gave up on, or a legacy of standing firm in God walking before the Lord honorably with him and influencing your family, your relations, your people around you for the kingdom of God. Father, I just thank you for this moment right now. Father, I pray everyone here would in this coming year come to a whole new level in you. New relationships formed, new connections formed, existing ones strengthened and valued. And Lord, a release of anointing. In Jesus' mighty name.